Craig Resnick coming to you today from the ARC Advisory Group. With me today is my special guest, Elias Panasiak. He's the Global Program Director of Ecostructure Power and Process at Schneider Electric. How are you doing today, Elias? Doing great, Craig. Thanks for having us. We're here today to talk about operational resilience through power and process integration something you spend quite a bit of time on. And we've, we've gone through this whole uh, COVID-19 pandemic. You know, we've seen process manufacturers that are facing more challenges than ever before, such as market and commodity uncertainty, uh, rapid fluctuations in demand, new types of competitors, and certainly lots of supply chain disruptions. And so the demand to be more efficient and sustainable is, uh, is stronger than ever. Now you amplify COVID-19 and how that's changed the world. And and those challenges have all been tremendously magnified, you know, along with new terms we're starting to see in the market, like uh, operational resilience, which we're going to talk a little bit more about. So as these process manufacturers are looking for ways to reduce capital requirements and lower risk, improve operational performance and optimize production throughout the entire asset life cycle, they want to spend less and gain more. So my first question to you is uh, it's about spending in uncertain times. And, and what would make a customer consider investment now? especially with access to capital for mega projects, uh, much scarcer. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Craig. And I think you hit on a couple of, you know, really key points that have both seen acceleration, but also take different, uh, let's say, responsibility uh, as, as some of those drivers as it comes to, to capital projects. So, you, I mean, you mentioned some of the disruption around COVID-19. I mean, obviously, we're, we're, we're certainly still dealing with those disruptions around the world uh, some places more than others. And those uh, those disruptions from both a supply chain standpoint, uh, but also the operational disruption that COVID really caused, uh, you know, has has really put pressure on organizations to look at how capital is allocated a lot differently. And the scrutiny um, has come down, I would say, to an extreme degree uh, in terms of showing both a, a sustainable path uh, to profitability from any capital investment, uh, but also compression. And what I mean by compression is in terms of cost, uh, in terms of schedule, and then the certainty on those two key components from a risk standpoint. Uh, we've seen a, a, a tremendous shift in capital markets in terms of how these mega projects are being capitalized, how that risk is being spread out uh, between uh, the finance organizations, shareholders, and ultimately the, the end user type companies as well as the market drivers of why do these projects at all. So going back to your actual question is, you know, what what those drivers look like from an investment perspective uh, is really around the changing marketplace in terms of end user demand. And by end user, of course, end customer. So transportation markets have been affected drastically when we think about oil and gas production. That's usually the first thing that we jump to is, uh, you know, jet fuel, uh, transportation fuel, things like that. So while we've seen a downward trend uh, in some of those uh, type of end product stocks, there's been an increased pressure on things uh, like petrochemicals. Uh, plastic manufacturing has gone up. Uh, transportation logistics as it pertains to actual deliveries has gone up to an extreme degree with all of us working from home and now changing, not just changing behavior temporarily, but what I truly believe is a, a, mar a a fundamental consumer market shift uh, in how we're both purchasing and consuming goods and products that's put, you know, investment pressure and demand back on the market. So while it's not all doom and gloom by any means, 
there's certainly these these other considerations are are coming into play that you know in in past years may have been a desire might have been a, a you know an overall ambition for an organization from a digitization standpoint you know from a sustainability standpoint and as well as some some resiliency uh, as far as you know some tall poles uh, that customers were were working towards that that's fundamentally changed in in the fact that this is now the only driver is is how do we capitalize a project how do we make sure we get our money out of it and make sure that there's a market at the end of this cycle that we can sell into yeah that's that's so true i mean it's really just how to make the organization really sustainable and be able to you know certainly survive in the, in the long term and a lot of what we also witnessed is you know to do that you know all the different functionalities seem to be converging i mean we've certainly talked a lot about subjects like itot convergence and one thing we're hearing a lot about lately is the convergence or integration of say power and process automation which is really converging uh, electrical asset and process information together which helps to enable better decisions at critical moments, you know, and it's often an untapped opportunity, again, to just uh, spend less and, and gain more, as we, as we talked about earlier. So my next question to you is, is what is the way forward for companies where power and process have historically remained separate to integrate the two domains? And then, uh, you know, as a follow-up would say is, you know, how, uh, you know, what has changed now to enable this and why is now the time for change? Sure thing. Uh, absolutely, Craig. So if I if I look at the front part of your question is, you know, we've we've typically seen these two domains separated and and what the drivers are. And, you know, I think the you know, once again, thinking about our earlier conversation around operational resilience, but also investment certainty, uh, that's a big driver, because if we think about the way that capital projects have typically gone very early in stage, uh, we look at civil works, we look at mechanical works and then generally power uh, is considered very early. So uh, here at Schneider Electric, we get involved very early on projects to specify power systems, uh, look at things like microgrids, e-house design, and so on. Uh, but often automation uh, is put on the critical path late in a project. Uh, after a lot of this uh, type of engineering activity is done, that's generally when uh, process control considerations are put into place. And the risk that gets created at that uh, is once again, we've put automation on the critical path and we're not talking about delivery of, of products and things like that to, to, to speed up commissioning, but from a design standpoint is how do we uh, make sure that we're looking at both the power and process design considerations early on uh, for, again, taking the automation system off the critical path, uh, but also optimizing in terms of design. It's not just about eliminating risk from a uh, from a timing perspective and, and getting the two disciplines talking together early on, uh, but shrinking our size of our e-house. If we know that there's going to be some process considerations that are going to be baked in or some, some margins, uh, let's look at that and let's look at tightening that so that we can get closer to uh, lowering that budget, lowering the, the risk schedule, and then also creating, to go to your second uh, question, you know, wh what's changed to enable all of this? It's the creation of a design digital twin. So looking at a single design uh, sort of version of the truth, if you will, uh, of what the electrical components are expected to do, what they're, how they're expected to operate, while at the same time using that model uh, to give us uh, our considerations around process design. And then, of course, ultimately unifying the project execution behind all of that. So we've now done our design together. 
we've leveraged this digital twin asset to predict all of this performance, it's given us a behavioral model that we can now use for that engineering work, but also into commissioning and even startup. Uh, because once again, we're, we're following this throughout the cycle rather than having siloed, you know, different parts of an organization or a design team or both uh, only coming together again, right at that crunch time towards the end. So that's really been a big, big driver from both a technology standpoint. Uh, but again, the the capital investment certainty, those considerations uh, have really driven a, a lot of the uh, the effort that we've put into this here at Schneider Electric. Uh, from a project perspective, but again on the underlying technology. Yeah, that's so. Uh, that, that's certainly so key, and 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 the certainty is uh, is something that uh, both uh, you know shareholders and uh, corporate uh, want to see. And uh, obviously, anything that we can do to get it, you know, to, to make sure all our information is in agreement to what we was a term at ARC we call single version of the truth, is to make sure that whatever information we're getting, whether it be from the process side or the power side or any part of an enterprise, that it's all consistent and the same. You know, uh, we talked a little bit earlier about sustainability and, and how the term op- operational resilience, you know, kind of really became front and center as a result of COVID-19. You know, how have sustainability trends changed in terms of uh, corporate priorities regarding, you know, people, profits, environmental issues? And, and how does that link to operational resilience? And then uh, as a follow-up to that, I'd probably want to ask you about how does the integration of power and process automation contribute to improve sustainability and operational resilience uh, across the life cycle of a plant? Yeah, great, great questions, Craig. And and I think these really speak to the core of what is the future of industrial business. Um, sustainability, again, was was a goal for a lot of uh, a lot of companies, a lot of organizations uh, in terms of, you know, how they're managing their local relations. Uh, are, are they sustainable in terms of how they're dealing with, uh, you know, considerations that they have locally for from a workforce standpoint, from a community standpoint? Obviously, environmental sustainability uh, cannot be overstated in terms of its importance, especially as it comes to uh, process energy and, and different type of, uh, of both chemical and, and mining type processes. But these trends have converged into something I think a lot more tangible over the last uh, six, 12 months. Again, COVID-19 has certainly accelerated this, uh, but this sort of multi-mandate around sustainability uh, is really uh, coming together in terms of, again, the future of work, the future of corporations. And this convergence of uh, of a mandate as it pertains to responsible development from an environmental perspective, while at the same time enabling profitability, because again, that's that's the responsibility, of course, from the shareholder perspective that these organizations have. And what has been very exciting to me, both personally and exciting to us at, at Schneider Electric, is these things are not in conflict with each other. Sustainable companies uh, who operate more efficiently generate more profit. And ultimately, that helps people uh, and that helps to improve that operational resiliency because we're not operating either on the extreme margins uh, of what a design design allows for or even worse, dealing with uncertainties uh, and then the risks that come along with that. So making it all real, yeah, again, going to kind of the second part of your question is, is, is how does the integration of power and process contribute to improving sustainability? It's really around, uh, again, around optimization, around uh, compressing the amount of inputs that are required 
to generate the same or a greater amount of output. And if we think about that equation, all of the energy inputs that go into a facility, you know, water, air, gas, electricity, steam, those energy inputs uh, are huge because typically, as, as, as you're well aware, we're generally generating a lot of pressure, a lot of heat, some combination of that to produce another type of product. Uh, whether that's, again, mining, oil and gas, power, uh, we can use kind of those, those very simplistic views into that. So getting our, our power, uh, our energy inputs and our process control together uh, really allows us to manage the amount of energy that is going in. Uh, and when we look at cost, again, going back to the profit, outside of raw materials, energy is generally the, the, the second, you know, pole in the balance sheet and everything else is kind of downline. So understanding the interaction between the process uh, control environment and energy usage is really essential to, to improving that financial performance. Um, and those capabilities, when you start to bring these two worlds together, really converge into something that provides that resiliency. If we think about if we want to turn up, uh, you know, a certain aspect of a plant, if we want to generate more output from a certain, uh, you know, sub process within a facility, we need to understand what the impact is on energy and vice versa. If we're going to uh, change power quality coming in, if we're going, if we know that there's going to be uh, either a fluctuation or we want to reduce the amount of energy input, you know, once again, we need a digital model to tell us what is going to happen uh, downline from that process downstream of that. Uh, and then if we if we extend that then into operation, um, we can get in front of power issues that would affect process uh, in real time rather than having two different teams come together to try to communicate that and, and, and try to manage the uncertainty in real time, uh, we can get that risk mitigation in place early, which helps improve that operational resilience. So, you know, a lot of different answers to your question, but this is a multifaceted driver from both the market and also how we address it uh, through the link of, of power and process control. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, one of the things that a uh, very common question that we get at ARC, and sometimes, especially as you're integrating power and process information together, is the whole issue of like sometimes running the plant at uh, at 100% capacity uh, burns up a lot more energy and actually results in higher cost than running the plant at uh, 95% capacity. And sometimes we use the analogy that uh, you know as you're driving a car on the highway, you know your gas mileage reaches maybe its peak point at uh, at a 60 65 miles per hour but if you start driving 80 your gas mileage begins to drop so you may be going faster but you're uh, consuming more energy and uh, and I think putting power and process uh, automation information together really helps people make those the best kind of business decisions as far as for what's best for their their bottom line you know, and, and, you know, kind of in addition to this whole integration or convergence of power and process automation, you know, the, all our customers are still dealing with the whole digital transformation process. And that, in, you know, how do you demystifying the technologies, whether they're working with IoT or big data, analytics, uh, ITOT convergence, digital twins, uh, artificial intelligence, augmented reality, virtual reality. I mean, it's a it's a long it's a long list of uh, acronyms. And, uh, and, you know, and leveraging all the software that it takes, that whether you're using it for design or engineering, construction, or all the various software used as part of uh, industrial automation solutions. So does this integrated, digitalized approach that results in greater interoperability and flexibility 
that you have, let's say, with the integration of power and process automation and, and using a lot of those uh, latest trends technologies for digital transformation, do you see it really truly driving, you know, capex reductions and opex efficiencies? Is it is it decreasing downtime? Is is it actually improving profitability? And and as a follow up, uh, you know, what kind of advice? Would you give someone who's really just getting started on the integration of power and process automation as as part of the digital transformation process? Now, these are these are great points, Craig. And, you know, I appreciate you asking this question because the the amount of buzzwords, acronyms, things that have been thrown at the market over the last decade or decade or so, excuse me, uh, have often been presented as destinations. So the idea to pick a couple that you listed, the idea of ITOT convergence or artificial intelligence as a destination. If we do this, if only if we do this as an organization, can we get to, uh, you know, our goals? And, you know, my my take on all of this is certainly digitization is required to drive results, but we have to know what the results are to begin with. And when it comes to things like having a a data collection point or an AI environment as a destination, what are the business problems that we're trying to solve? If we're trying to, going back to our previous conversation, if we're trying to solve for an improvement in process energy and lowering the amount thereby of both CO2 emission required to run a process and then thereby cost, so driving, you know, this sustainability, that's a goal. That's something that can be worked, you know, sort of backwards if, if, if you think about it that way into, okay, well, what are the levers of digitization that I need to accomplish this goal? The idea of putting everything in a data lake or getting everything in one environment, it's, it's good in, in theory. It's good in, in, in terms of uh, maybe uh, as a support to getting to one of those goals, but we've, we've helped a lot of customers that have spun up IoT projects or convergence type projects again, with with kind of um, opaque uh, business goals. And then, the, you know, the help that we're generally providing in that process is is going back to a sim- simplification of, okay, what's our business goal? What are the underlying technologies? Uh, and then how do we stand up what's going to be required in between the existing technology investments, the goal, and then the enablement technology in between? Um, and, and I think that, you know, to your second point of what advice we would give, it's it's really getting started with that why. Uh, it's it's businesses asking themselves tough questions in terms of both what is the ambition for a facility, for uh, a region, for overall, for a corporation going to look like in five and 10 years. And generally, any company should be able to articulate that. And then what are the incremental steps to reach that? Uh, if it's uh, if it's an improvement in a, in a specific region uh, and the investments that are going to be required in that region, uh, it's working through, you know, how, how do we compress that schedule? How do we compress time to value within those systems? And the other big thing that we've we've talked a little bit about in this conversation, but I think to me is is the most important part uh, in the digital transformation, you know, kind of equation is the transformation part. Uh, the digital part is the technology and the technology, uh, you know, we can we can talk all day about uh, how fantastic it is and, and what this enables. But ultimately, the people consuming this technology, whether it's the standpoint of how they're doing their jobs from an operational perspective or how folks are doing their jobs from a business and engineering perspective, it's about the people. It's about the people behind these screens and it's about the people that uh, are using these systems every single day. And the human change management, uh, the human capital that's required to get there, 
cannot be understated uh, because we can have all the technology in the world. We can put together the best packages. Uh, we can we can work together uh, to do that. But if if we don't have a willing and able team uh, that can ultimately change the way they work, because this is what we're talking about from a transformation standpoint, is is changing the way people work and optimizing and creating efficiencies where they didn't exist before. Getting those uncertainties out of the way and and certainly the change management that's required to get there uh, is is the biggest step in the process. And to me, the biggest price, because you have an optimized system, you have an optimized environment such that uh, your process control and your power systems are running well together, of course, enabled by ecostructure power and process. Uh, and then the the big, big goal in that we have an efficient workforce. We have people who uh, are spending their heartbeats and and spending their brain cells solving these key business problems, not sifting through spreadsheets, not not sifting through multiple uh, different pieces of software, for example, to try to reach a conclusion, but really simplifying that in an elegant way uh, so that we can put people to work uh, in an effective way for you know both the future of the organization and, and then, of course, the future of the planet. Yeah, and it's never been you know more important now, especially with that workforce uh, working remote and being having the necessary tools that it takes to do remote visualization, monitoring and control and uh, leveraging technologies such as uh, power and process integration uh, together uh, certainly it makes for far better, more efficient to manage these manage these facilities, get the right information they need to, to better operate the business. So uh, the timing is uh, the timing is absolutely right uh, with the pandemic to uh, certainly continue to accelerate this uh, integration of power and process uh, automation and uh, developing additional operational resistance uh, as a result. Well, that was great, Elias. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts for our audience before we conclude the, today's discussion? Yeah, thanks very much, Craig, and and thanks again for the discussion. Uh, I think that you know as we take an approach looking at linking these two worlds of power and process together. Uh, of course, Schneider is, is willing and ready to, to help any customers that, that might be listening to this. Uh, but as well as, as we navigate the new world, uh, you know, look for more uh, coming from the Schneider Electric and Aviva portfolio to address these key challenges. Uh, we're certainly in a journey right now. We've not reached a destination point with anything. And uh, as, as uncertainty continues to rule from both an operational and capital standpoint, you know, it's really incumbent on us as, as a community from uh, for service providers and technology providers like Schneider, uh, as well as from end user markets to work together to, to solve these big challenges. But thanks again. Thanks for having us this afternoon. Yeah, that's great, Elias. Uh, thanks so much. This is the Craig Resnick coming to you for the ARC Advisory Group, wishing everybody a great day. This podcast was created by ARC Advisor Group. We advise industrial suppliers and manufacturers on technology trends and market dynamics that affect their business operations and competitiveness. Our website is www.arcweb.com. Thank you for listening.